Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Let's bring in Julie Bauke. Happy New Year. I have, even though technically, I guess, etiquette-wise, I'm not supposed to say Happy New Year, but I think it's our first time, you know, talking since uh, we rang in the New Year. Hi, Julie. Hi. So there is actually a date in which you're supposed to quit saying it. Uh-oh. I don't know. I'm just saying. You said etiquette-wise. I'm like, I don't know. What have I? What? What? What rules have <laughs> I been violating? I need to know. You're a violator. I'm a violator, Julie. <laughs> no, apparently we were happy New Year. <laughs> happy New Year. Yeah, I guess there was a Larry David. You know, the comedian, such a funny. Oh guy. yeah. Uh huh. So I guess he had a show where they said after a certain date, the fourth. I heard the third. I heard the fourth. I've heard the fifth. But I've always heard, for me, that it's if you haven't seen somebody yet. Yeah. You know, right? That you say, if, you, if you're if you saying, yeah. hey, I haven't seen you since we rang in the new year. So that's what I always heard. So maybe not in June. Yeah, not in June, but in January. Let's just make up our own rules. Anyway. <laughs> well, here's the deal. There's a recent survey, and I know you want to talk about this, and we want to hear from you. Remote employees. First of all, take us through in 2024 the issue of people zooming it in, remote employees, how it's viewed, what is the latest? So there's, I think that um, we are still in a transition, however, and we will be, as this gets tussled, let's say, across the desk between employers who are trying to get people back in the office, either more or full-time, and employees who are saying, you know, maybe sometimes, but not all the time. And the 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 challenge for employers, or let's just say the challenge for the crowd that says everybody get back within these four walls, is that time is not on their side. Every day that goes by, there are more more millennials and Gen X, Gen Z in the workforce, and fewer boomers, mm-hmm. who are tend to be the ones who like the getting the the senior leaders who are boomers are the ones who tend to like people within the four walls and. You know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's settling out. But I think this year, if we're talking this day next year, um, I would say that we would, we could confidently say that we will have seen the pendulum move Mm -hmm. to more of a new normal. And I think the normal is going to be flexible. I would say flexible is the new F-bomb when it comes to work (laughs) Um, because it's, you know, it's really, it's what works best for your team. Given your function, given what your customers expect, given the industry and profession you're in, what works best for you? And Allstate's a great example. They just came out and said, we're going fully flexible. And what they mean by that is we are giving the latitude to the people who are in charge of managing the team and getting the work done to decide and set parameters that they think works best for their team, which to me, that's a big fat duh should be it should be like that instead of trying to do a one size fits all. So I think we're going to see more of that. What we're not going to see is more a hundred more is a is a significant move toward a hundred percent in the office. That ain't that ain't happening. Yeah, and I think obviously 
you know, goes without saying. It depends on your profession. But, of course, yeah. But the survey found that people who are in person, if I'm reading this right, people who are in person actually are more likely to get a raise and or a bigger raise than those who are remote working. Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah. And there's a few things, and, and that, that may be true, but let's break that down and say, why does that matter or does it matter? Um, there is certainly an aspect of out of sight, out of mind, um, and we tend to connect more. We, we rely more on people that we see with our eyes every once in a while in person. But what what is and that 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 study twenty years ago might have been enough to get people to scurry back to the workplace. But we're dealing with a different yeah. a different thinking from the younger generations. They have said in other studies, I will take a job that allows me flexibility over one that doesn't. And by the way, I'm willing to accept 10 to 15% less to do that. And so they have made loud and clear that it's not about climbing a ladder and it's not about um, you getting as much as you can. It's about having a life that you can actually live and enjoy and get the most out of every sector instead of living to work. The younger generations are really focused on working to live. And that's just like, boom, a head exploder for, for some boomers because who have kind of, well, it works for me. It's good enough for me. Why isn't it good enough for you? And it's, this is also that attitude is causing a lot of tension. A lot of younger people I talk to, it's causing tension in their relationships with their parents who don't understand why they don't want to work just like their parents did. And so we're seeing it play out everywhere, but it's, I think it's going to fall more on the let's look at flexibility and measure, measure productivity and effectiveness instead of time and how, how, you know, how many minutes of the day I can lay my eyes on you. Yeah. And so ultimately, you know, when we you know think about people and i'll i'll just give some of the numbers here that you know of those first of all let's talk about stress and unhappiness at work 11% of full in office employees rate, rating their mental health as poor or terrible and that's so remote, remote workers only 8% and so to your point about thinking about mental health and the mental health crisis that we know kids and especially middle school age and teenage kids, maybe college age kids and all Americans post pandemic. How does this factor in with employers and how they navigate this? You know, one of the, one of the stats around what do people hate most about in office work right at the top or very near the top was the commute. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's the cost associated with the commute. It's the time. It's the sense that I'm wasting time mm-hmm. to go into the office when I could be using it to take a walk, to work on a project, to have a Zoom with some team members, to go to a yoga class, to something that would allow me to have greater mental health. It is a real issue. It seems, now, it, you know, it's funny because we talk about it more now. We're willing to talk about it. It's not a, uh, it's not taboo to talk about anxiety and your emotional and mental well-being. In fact, the younger generations make it a point of talking very openly about it, which to some boomers is like, whoa, why, you know, overshare. But it's, it's not. And so when they, as they take over the workplace, as they will, 
they definitely will make programs and services available. It will be okay to talk about. And so it's really, you know, I always think about, okay, so why? One of the things that is without a doubt a huge contributor is that, and we've probably talked about this before, but you remember back, you know, when we were earlier in our careers, if our bosses wanted to get a hold of us, they had to get out the white pages and call us. So there was a very clear line between work and home. And even if you hated your job, you could walk in the door at 530, you know, and really attempt to, you know, kind of shake off the day with your family, with your activities, your hobbies, et cetera, and not have to worry about it until 8 o'clock the next morning. Well, that's gone. You know, technology has rendered that way of those boundaries obsolete. And that's why I think we hear so much talk about boundaries now. Mm-hmm. That's really what people are trying to do yeah. is give themselves a break. Because imagine if you hate your job with all your heart and you are even desperately trying to get out, but you're really, really unhappy. Imagine having that low-level hum in your head no matter what you're doing 24-7. And yeah. so it's, you know, it, it makes sense. And I think it's good that we talk about it. And I know companies, CHROs that I talk to, chief HR officers talk about, I was talking to one recently who said that of the vast percentage of people who engage in their employee assistance programs, mental health services, are people under 30. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that people over 30 don't have a lot of the same issues, but maybe they're just not as willing to reach out and avail themselves of those services. But the younger generation is saying, I need help. And there's no shame in getting it, which, you know, there's a lot of good to that statement. Yeah, I think even, I would say, even in the last 10 years. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We've seen the shift that you're talking about. In the past 10 years... The change is that employers at any minute can call or text at any given time. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, I will tell you, because I've always been in the news business, so it's always been that way for me in my entire career, because no matter what, like, you know, my phone would ring and they'd say, "Uh, the live truck, the news truck is out in front of your apartment or your house, you know, and boom, you're going to go and it's breaking news. (laughs) So get in the truck and... And that was just par for the course. But I think that, you know, I signed up for that, right? I knew that that was going to happen. I signed up for that, for the news business, and that's part of the deal. But for people who are in, you know, banking or whatever, whatever job they went into, to constantly get texts, especially from bosses. I mean, we hear, we just were told yesterday, it was a Sunday afternoon. I'm with my family. I get a text. Hey, we've got a, like a mandatory Zoom meeting at three o'clock in the afternoon. And so 10 years ago, you just didn't, you did not have that. And I think, Mm. you know, to your, and then there was a back and forth on it. You never had those kinds of things really happen where a a company would issue something like, Hey, all employees, this is an all call. We're going to meet in person or, or some people, if you have something else, you can zoom. And I think you're right. I think people feel like, 
okay, I really, you know, if I'm in person, I'm, com- I'm working 40 hours in person, then my commute, put the commute, add that to their 40 hours or whatever their work week looks like, and then add all of the back and forth with everything else. So what was supposed to be a 40-hour week, add the commute, add everything else, I mean, it, you know, it adds maybe 10-plus hours when you think about all of that. That's yeah. That's the kind of thing I hear, Julie, is that people say, yeah. I didn't sign up for this. Right, and it feels like wasted time. Yes. Because depending on your job, if I'm only taking on those 10 additional hours so you can watch me work at my desk, mm-hmm. or I'm literally going in to sit at a desk and do exactly the same things I would have been doing at home, that just doesn't add up. And it's, it's, you know, it's not like our way, quote unquote, was right. I mean, there's always been two thirds or more of people who've been miserable in their jobs. Yeah. And so to look back on the way it was as some sort of nirvana we ought to try to go back to is really to ignore the reality of the damage that doing that kind of work did over the years to individuals and families and relationships and health and all of that. And technology can be such a gift in that it gives us the opportunity to work differently, but it's misused. So one tip I I give people, I say, okay, if your boss is sending you a note at 10 o'clock at night, you know, or at eight o'clock, or clearly when you're working hours or well, you know, or over, you, you can simply ignore it until the next morning. And unless it's, it's an emergency, you know, the building's on fire, you know, something like that. But my, I tell people, if you're getting, after a certain time, if you're getting emails, messages on Slack, on any of your work-related channels, ignore them until your working hours the next day. Try that. See what happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and if nothing happens and the building doesn't fall down around you, keep doing that. And you shouldn't, but if you've got, like, if you've got one of those leaders, managers who's, like, sending you stuff at, 10 o'clock at night expecting an immediate response. If they aren't expecting an immediate response and you respond, you're teaching them that you're available 24-7. Yeah. So well if you don't respond, they say, well, why didn't I hear from you last night? Well, I, you know, I read your message or I, I, I prefer to turn off my work life and focus on my family mm-hmm. in the evenings. Is that a problem? I mean, I think it's, you've got to stand up for yourself in, and set those boundaries and and if you are working for somebody who expects you to be available twenty four seven, you know I, I'm going to say you you might want to look for a new job. Seriously, <laughs> it's, it's really unhealthy. Yeah, this is true. So Julie Bauke of the Bauke Group. I mean, this is something that you do. You work with people, especially yeah. if somebody's trying to reinvent themselves. And yeah, it certainly is a transitional year. What's your advice for the new year for somebody who says, you know what, I am miserable in my job, but I love working. So, you know, what's your best advice? One of the things I tell people every day of the year is be ready to go and be ready to stay. And no matter if you hear there's a big wave of layoffs coming, layoffs coming, be ready to go, be ready to stay. And if you are get to the point where you're starting to feel that itch to say, I'd really like to kind of test my marketability, really step back and go through the process of if I were to leave here today, mm-hmm. And maybe I get laid off on Monday. What what would I want to do next? And you don't have, it's not a job title necessarily, but what do I want to do more of? What do I want to do less of? What would I never want to do again? In other words, step out of your present day, 
maybe if you are commuting or if you are, you have some downtime, think about if I can go out and create the perfect job for me, mm-hmm. what would that look like? It's so funny, Dawn, when you say to people, so, and I'll say to people, how would I recognize the perfect job for you? I get the blank stares. <laughs> if you really think about it, that's a pretty basic question. Yeah, it's true. If I heard of a thousand jobs and I wanted to pick one out of that thousand for Dawn, which one would I pick? Hmm. What would it be? What would it look like? What would you do all day? Getting super clear on that, starting to write down those things that you like and want to do more of and the things you don't want to do as much of is a great way to start, even if you never act on it. But just in case you have a layoff or some, you get a new, new manager that you don't get along with or you know, something in your life changes or you just start to get that itch, at least you're starting to imagine what's next outside of where you are. It's great. Great mindset. I just wonder if being an heiress, is that technically a job, like an heiress of a billionaire? <laughs> you can be a trophy wife. How about that? <laughs> well, Julie Bauke, until next time, my friend, thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Don. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.